Good all you wonderful people out here in Radio Land. It's Wednesday night. It's 8 o'clock, and you know what that means. It's time for another wonderful, exciting episode of the NGSC West Recess. We here on the West, we are the most underrepresented of the lot, and that's what Josh and I are here for. We're here to fight that West Coast bias one show at a time. But that's not to say that we don't have fun also, because we have ourselves a great time while we do that. And I guess I should introduce myself properly while I'm sitting here talking to you all. I am Jerome Butler, a.k.a. Raider Rome, a.k.a. My Little Brother's Big Brother, a.k.a. Last King of Raider Nation. And Fighting West Coast Bias is never a one-man operation, so I'd like to introduce to you the one man that I do trust in this operation. My co-host with the most, my brother of another color, my main man, Josh Madsen. Good evening, Jerome. Looking forward to the show, and I'm doing really good. Uh, thanks for asking, and... Let's get this show on the road. Yeah, most definitely, man. Let's get it going. Pretty big week in sports there, Josh. How was your week, man? It's always good to be here with you on the West Coast Recess doing what we do, having ourselves a great time. So tell me a little bit about your week and what was going, what's going on in the Matson world. I'm glad to hear Oklahoma State's getting to play Ole Miss and um, what bowl are they going to? Uh, <laughs> out Sugar Bowl. For, yeah, Sugar Bowl, sorry. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, OU versus Clemson should be a good playoff game and then and you got Alabama and Michigan State, so those are good games I'm looking forward to. Um, any bowl games in particular that you're looking forward to? Well, I think that Clemson-Oklahoma game is going to be really, really good. A lot of people so far seem to be giving Clemson a raw deal, even though they are ranked number one in the um, playoff rankings. I do believe that Deshaun Watson is the best player in the country, and he's going to be able to find plays against that Clemson defense, especially with his running back, Wayne Gallman. So I'm really looking forward to that. And their defense isn't really much of a pushover either. I'm sure they could use a guy like Vic Beasley in a game like this, but he's collecting checks in Atlanta now. But, hey, it's going to be a lot of offense because, I mean, you got um, over on the other end, you got uh, Baker Mayfield, and you got their passing game also causing trouble. So you're going to have a lot of offense there. And Sterling Shepard, man, I know you know a thing or two about that guy. He's going to probably be one of the better one of the better players on the field also at wide receivers. So you're going to have a lot of scoring. I'm going to go ahead and say Clemson 44, Oklahoma 37. What's your, thought on, what's your thoughts on this, on this Clemson-Oklahoma game? You ready to make predictions already? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, OU to me is a pretty good team, even though I hate them. Uh, uh, you know, Mayfield, pretty damn good quarterback, and Shepard, like you said, is a big play guy, and then we forgot about their running backs, Maj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon, those guys are, are amongst the best running backs in the country, so OU is definitely loaded on offense, they're definitely vulnerable on defense, uh, they got some playmakers on defense, but I think that's where Clemson is going to have to take advantage of them. Um, I don't have a prediction yet for that game, I, I don't know, it just seems too early for me. I, I want to make sure no one gets hurt during during the next you know few weeks. You never know what's going to happen. So I'm going to hold well, up I mean, my prediction. <laughs> well, that's a pretty smart way to go about things, there, Josh. Don't jump the gun too early. I don't know. I'm just pretty excited about it. So sure. I'm just seeing a lot, I'm just seeing a lot of people pretty much downgrading Clemson and pretty much giving Oklahoma a free pass into the championship. And I'm just here to say, whoa, 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 slow your brakes here for a second. Well, I think the, uh, I think the argument that the people who are jumping on OU right away. I think Clemson hasn't, you know, coming down the stretch, they haven't played that great. I mean, not that. And OU's kind of on fire ever since their Texas loss, so I, I could see where people are leaning towards OU right now. Yeah, my thing is, though, I kind of personally think that 
OU, they should have been beaten by TCU. Gary Patterson's greed is the only reason Oklahoma's probably still in this playoff. And you could start to say that maybe Clemson, they just had themselves a slight bit of boredom going into that game. So it can go either way. But it should be a really, really fun Orange Bowl. And I'm really looking forward to sitting in front of the TV with probably some champagne and checking that out. Yes, sir. It should be, should be a good, good one. Yeah, and up here next, I mean, you got pretty much the physical matchup with Michigan State and Alabama. I mean, that, that's going to be a pretty fun football game there. I, I like to see how Michigan State's defense is going to hold up from taking repeated pounding at the hands of one Derrick Henry, who probably will win the Heisman Trophy this Saturday. And I do think that they have an advantage at quarterback. I want to go ahead and say Connor Cook is probably a better quarterback than Jake Coker. But other than that, Alabama does seem to have the advantage everywhere. But it did seem that way last season when they played Ohio State, and Ezekiel Elliott came on the scene and just gashed Alabama. So hopefully, I mean, I'm not going to make a prediction here, but hopefully Michigan State has something like that up their sleeve and they can make this a good football game. What, what do you think about with this match? I think Michigan State has skated by with some pretty mediocre teams this year and <laughs> they pulled a miracle out against Michigan, but I, I actually, even though I, I dislike Alabama, I, I think they're the better team in that game for sure. I, I actually think Alabama won that one pretty easily. Um, as long as Alabama doesn't make mistakes like they did against Ole Miss, I think it should be it should be an easy one for them. Mm. Well, last time these two got together, Nick Saban and Mike D'Antonio, Bama did win 49-7 in the Citrus Bowl. So you probably, I'm not, I'm hoping nothing similar to that happens, but it seems like Michigan State is kind of playing right now in Alabama's hands with the plot in the head style and no passing game to speak of. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah, so back now, we go here to the NFL real quick here. Man, your Patriots seem to have a serious problem going on right now. I know you guys got the injuries right now, and Brady really has nobody to throw to, but Philadelphia, though, they seem like they were dead in the water. They go to Foxborough, and it seems like they find a fountain of youth. Talk about the Eagles um, just dominating the, the Patriots for the better part of three quarters there, Justin. I think uh, this game can be summed up as New England <laughs> played terrible on special teams and played, uh, and Brady made two bad interception throws that cost them the game. They, You know, New England, if you want to see how you lose a football game, go watch that game again, <laughs> and you'll see how you lose a football game, because New England did everything wrong in that game. So, um, and they tried to come back in the end, but they just didn't have it. So, so hey, let's not talk about my Patriots. Let's talk about this big sign-in by the Raiders that um, just happened. Four-year, $32 million for Michael Crabtree. Well, I'll say this, Josh. Reggie McKenzie finally did get it right. I mean, we're in a situation now where the salary cap is increasing, and you're at a point where you're going to have to spend a certain amount of money. And why not give the money to a guy more deserving than Michael Crabtree? He's coming there on the with Amari Cooper, he has solidified this wide receiving corps. He has seven touchdown catches, and he and he has an outside shot of getting over a thousand yards receiving himself. So, if there's anybody that I want with the young wide receiver for the next four years, it is Michael Crabtree. Now, let's go ahead and go give some more money to more deserving players. So, that, that was that was that was the first step in the rebuilding of the Oakland Raiders. What was your thoughts on Crabtree getting his money? Um, I think his last year in San Francisco was a bust, and the Raiders got him on the cheap this year. And he's finally shown he's worth the money that he thought he was originally. So uh, good on the Raiders because he has played good for them this year. So I, I don't knock the sign, and I I don't know. Thirty two million seems like a big number to me, but um, I, I I guess that's probably the right range for him. So yeah, good sign by the Raiders. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree agree there, Josh. I mean, you got to spend the money somewhere. Spend it on a guy who's actually playing good football. <laughs> 
And too bad they can't re-sign guys such as Khalil Mack and Latavius Murray yet. That's going to take a while. But getting Michael Crabtree in, these guys are going to want to stay now. And I do think that McKenzie, he has proven enough to deserve at least another couple of years to continue to build this football team. I'm actually starting to look forward to the draft now because after a horrible performance by our quarterback, Derek Carr, in the fourth quarter, it is starting to look like the Raiders' playoff hopes are starting to slip away. But we'll talk about that a little later. And I guess we'll move on here now to some hoops. We talk about this every week, Josh. Well, we have at least for the last three weeks anyway. The Golden State Warriors, man, are they ever going to lose? I mean, Klay Thompson, he's even starting to get into the act now, which makes them even more of a dangerous team. He hit 10 three-pointers last night. I think he would have broke Kobe Bryant's record had he not messed up his ankle late in the game. So, Golden State, they've gotten to 23-0. and And I was looking at a graphic last night on ESPN. If they continue to win, Christmas Day against Cleveland could actually be a pretty historical game where they would be going for their 33rd consecutive victory, which would tie the NBA record against an opponent such as LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I'd really, really love to see that. Do you think that Golden State can get to 32-0 going into that um, Christmas Day game with Cleveland? Although Clay Thompson has the ankle, he should be able to play um, Friday, though. Yeah, I think they, I think they can do it. Um, I wouldn't be confident to put money down on it because there's so many things that could happen within the next um, 16 days. So you never know. But, I, th- yeah, they have a team to do it. There's no doubt about it. And they, they are definitely going to try. They don't look like a team that's going to ease up on trying to set records. Um, they're going to lose eventually, though. I mean, eventually it's going to happen. So, um, yeah, but I, I think they're going for the record. I think they really want it. So they have the talent to do it. Yeah, well, that's just the law of the NBA there. I mean, Josh, nobody goes 8-2-0. and two and I mean, I consider here and play this NBA 2K16 video game. I can't even go 82-0 and on easy. So, yeah, they're not, they will lose at some point. I just want, I just wonder if they'll get to that 33. As a Laker fan, hey, y'all gonna have the 73 wins. Just don't take our 33 on a row. That's where I'm at with it. Speaking of your Lakers, uh, another heartbreaker tonight <laughs> against Minnesota went into overtime. 123-122. Minnesota pulls it out. Well, it's like I told you last week, Josh. I mean, tank to keep your draft position. There's a kid coming out named Ben Simmons next year from LSU, and they, if the Lakers can pull that guy in along with Russell and Randall, you've already got the makings of the future of this basketball team. You'll have Kobe off the books, and you'll be able to um, sign a couple of free agents. So just they take this season, go probably 15 or 67 or something like that. You'll break all kind of records of futility. That's the only way we're going to actually start the reconstruction of this Los Angeles Lakers dynasty. So lose, lo- losing is like winning. I mean, I know it sounds cliche, but yeah, winning is losing. Losing is winning right now for the Lakers. What's your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think they're playing for a draft position right now. It's pretty much Kobe, Kobe Bryant celebration and um, I guess just show up to the court and just play some basketball and go home at the end of the day, it looks like, <laughs> for the, for this team this year. Hey, I wanted to ask you, uh, if you had to choose a team that could beat the Golden State in a series, right now, looking at the playoff picture, is there any team in the West that can do it? I mean, San Antonio might be able to do it, I guess. I'll give you ahead. three teams that could probably do it, Josh. The San Antonio Spurs, yeah, that was a good call right, right there. They're probably the most significant challenger to the Golden State Warriors. I mean, they, they're getting older and older, but they seem to be getting better and better. Tim Duncan's 39 years old, and he's kind of like got the Charles Woodson syndrome going on. So he would definitely be a big player in that series. And you got guys like Tony Parker, Ginobili, and LaMarcus Aldridge. They can give the Warriors all kind of problems by just plotting and making the game very ugly. The next team I think could do that is the Oklahoma City Thunder. When Westbrook and Durant are clicking, and it seems like they are lately, the Thunder are a team that can really def- that can play with anyone, and who's to say not defeat them? For a 
fire the seven. The only problem is sometimes Westbrook and Durant, they're not firing on all cylinders at the same time. Although they do have a decent third wheel of Serge Ibaka, so I think he could help matters. And the Los Angeles Clippers, when if they can pull their heads out of their bottoms and find their game, they've got enough talent also to give Golden State a run, if not defeat them. I mean, Chris Paul, J.J. Reddick, Jamal Crawford, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan, there's no reason. This team has already shown you in two games with Golden State this year, they're not afraid to stand up to the Warriors. They actually blew a 23-point lead the last time they got together. So the Clippers, with it, and with the rivalry um, situation going on, they're also one of those teams that could defeat the Golden State Warriors. So, no, that team is not bulletproof in the least. Yeah, I have to agree um, with the three you mentioned. Uh, only other team I would have maybe mentioned was Portland. They got some quality players on that team, but they always seem to be a team that fades down the stretch, so we'll have to see how that goes. As far as my Thunder go, uh, defensively, I don't think they can stop Golden State right now. They definitely have a lot of work to do there, but they are definitely one of the three teams that could do it if everything went right. Good point there, Josh. And how do you feel about San Antonio? I mean, uh, Leonard's having a great year. They have um, a lot of depth. I think that's where San Antonio is really strong. Like Golden State, they have a lot of depth. Um, age is an issue, of course, for San Antonio, but I think I don't really see anything that would make me think that Tim Duncan's not going to perform in the playoffs or anything like that. So, and Tony Parker, I mean, uh, Popovich always has done a good job with that team with resting the older guys. So I think you'll see a lot more of that down the stretch, and I think San Antonio will be ready for the playoffs. Yeah, that will be pretty interesting to see here. And before we move on here to tell everyone what's on tap tonight, man, did you get to see that major upset last Thursday night with my UCLA Bruins striking down the number one Kentucky Wildcats in Pauley Pavilion, 87-77. Thomas Welch had himself a huge game, scoring 25 points. But the big play, did you see that dunk by Prince Ali on Alex Poitras? That was, he served up a major facial. If you haven't seen that dunk, get on YouTube or get on CBS somewhere and check that dunk out, Josh. Man, that got UCLA going. And major upset. Did you get to check it out, out any of it? Confession, I did not see it. But what I can say is, uh, Kentucky seems to be, um, don't they have two losses now? I, I'm pretty sure they lost UCLA and who was the other? Didn't they lose earlier in the year? Uh, no, Kentucky's only loss so far is the UCLA. They struggled okay. with Eastern Kentucky a bit tonight, but they finally put them away by 20 late. Alright, well, I mean, um, I haven't watched any college basketball, so I guess it really wouldn't be fair of me to really comment on it at the moment. <laughs> oh, okay, no biggie. I mean, honestly, it's the best policy. Like, yeah, next, next time, it'll be, be prepared. Uh, be. All right, I'll, I'll watch some calls about school. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, it sounds like somebody just joined us. Who's, who's that over there? What's up, guys? How's it going tonight? Uh, how are you doing are you? there, Matt? Doing great. All right, doing good to fellas. see you, but we'll, we'll have you on for your segment here in about five minutes. So we're going to get into a couple of recaps here, and then we'll have you ready to rumble. Sounds great. All right, good deal here. Yeah, speaking of these recaps here, Josh, I guess we should go ahead and get started here in St. Louis, where the Rams, they seem to just pretty much folded up the tent, man. That's just a horrible, horrible football team without, they've got Nick Foles at quarterback. I mean, Case Keenum probably wouldn't have done any better, but Arizona, they dominated you with their third string running back and Carson Palmer. He's playing great football. And the Cardinals, they seem to be um, powering themselves toward that two seed. I don't think Seattle has a five power to catch them. And the Rams, they were just no bad Sunday, 27-3. to Your thoughts on this game? Yeah, uh, David Johnson had a great game, as I expected, against St. Louis and then Carson Palmer threw all over St. Louis for 356 yards. So 
And then John Brown, of course, another big game. And Michael Floyd is actually starting to come around, which is nice to see because he's kind of been a no-show a lot in the last year and a half or so. As far as St. Louis goes, they can't run the ball. They can't, definitely can't pass the ball. They don't got anyone that's any good, really, to catch the ball. So, yeah, this team, a St. Louis team definitely has no offense, and I think that's partly the biggest issue for this team. So before we move on here, what do you think about Jeff Fisher? You think he'll be fired at the end of the season, or you think the Rams give him a chance to run this program, whether it be in L.A. or St. Louis next season, or or parts unknown? Um, I would say he probably doesn't get fired. I think they'll give him another year or two. This this team is a work in progress, so yeah, I'm not convinced he'll be leaving. Okay, good point there, Josh. And we move on here to Minnesota, a game that we thought would be a lot more competitive, but it's like I tell you every week, Josh, the Seattle Seahawks are starting to play their best football right now. Russell Wilson seems to have taken things to another gear, and that defense, they're finally starting to get things together. Teddy Bridgewater didn't have much of a chance at all Sunday. I mean, they stopped giving the ball to Adrian Peterson in the second quarter. He ended up with only 18 yards rushing. Um, Russell Wilson, he did his thing. He found touchdown passes to um, Doug Baldwin, and he threw one also to Luke Wilson. And Seattle, they just pretty much clobbered Minnesota 35-7. to And Arizona's pretty much lucky that they're 10-2, because I think if there's about five or six weeks left in the season, the Seahawks will probably catch them, because they're starting to catch fire, and they're playing the best football right now. But if they get together in the desert, though, in a January showdown, I'm putting my money on the Hawks. What's your thoughts on this game here, Josh? Uh, Seattle did everything on offense that you could do um, correctly. They passed the ball good. Uh, Wilson was efficient, um, had 270 yards and three touchdowns. And Thomas Rawls is quietly becoming uh, one of the biggest studs in in the NFL right now. He he is averaging uh, over five yards a carry in this game. He was impressive, as he's been every time he's been given the opportunity. And Doug Baldwin has, in the last two games, I think he's had five touchdown receptions. So Seattle's turning the corner, and you might be right. They might be legit. So we will see. Yeah, just like I said, I know you over there shaking in your boots, hoping that you don't have a rematch with those guys in San Francisco. But that's a long way off. A lot of football to play before the end, Josh. So yes, I'm just sir. messing with you. It's yeah. all good. And here, next up here, we got a game that not too many people watch. I mean, I know I didn't watch too much of it. Maybe Matt saw a bit of this game. The 49ers taking down the Bears 26-20. to I saw that they got a pick six early in the game from Jimmy Ward, and pretty much it was kind of a 13-13 game most of the way. I mean, Sean's wrong. He played pretty well, too, out here. But in overtime, Blaine Gabbert, we got, we got ourselves a Torrey Smith sighting going 71 yards in overtime to pretty much put the Bears away. 49ers 26, Chicago 20. They're still playing hard for the old man Jim Tom Sula over there. And for all these 49er people on Twitter and things that say this guy should be fired and he's over his head, hey, I'd say give him a few more, uh, give him a little bit more talent and see how it goes now. They're still, the 49ers are still playing hard for him. Chicago, man, it's hard to make the, uh, anything of these guys. They play well at Green Bay, then they go lay an egg like this. They're a very hard football team to figure out. Your thoughts on this game, Josh? The best player on San Francisco and Navarro Bowman was amazing. I watched some of that game. He was all over the field getting almost every tackle you could possibly think of. And then the biggest play to me was when Blaine Gabbert ran one off for 44 yards for a touchdown. That was unexpected, and and, and I'm not surprised that they won this game, because I'm pretty sure I mentioned that I thought they could if everything went right, and they did everything right. So, Gabbert didn't make mistakes. Um, I still think San Francisco run game, run game is putrid, but, I mean, they won the game, so you can't knock that. Yeah, man, that's all you do. Get your W here. And now we move on to 
to the West Coast heavyweight matchups here. The Broncos and the Chargers, man, this game was a snoozer. <laughs> Brock Osweiler threw a touchdown pass to um, Demarius Thomas to get them going early. Then Danny Trevathan got a pick six to put them ahead 14-0. to And after that, it seemed like Denver just pretty much put it on cruise control because, I mean, Phillip Rivers really has nothing to throw to. Stevie Johnson got injured early in that game, so did Dontrell Inman. And at that point, I think I think me and you were actually starting to line up a wide receiver towards the end of that game, Josh. The Chargers, man, they just pretty much need to go ahead and just lock it up. Denver, they're still battling for a first-round bye. They get the job done 17-3, to even though they lose C.J. Anderson with an ankle injury. What was your thoughts on this match? Well, statistically, this game wasn't all that exciting for either team, to be honest with you. Uh, Denver is a better team, and that's why they won the game. They won, it, won with defense is what they do, and um, they have different guys stepping up all the time. Derek Wolf um, and Von Miller, all those guys play hard, and they don't allow teams like the Chargers to score points, so that's why they're winning games. Yep, that defense is completely locked down there. Yep. We've got one more game here to discuss, Kansas City and Oakland, but we'll talk about that game with tonight's guest, D. Will, in a little bit when he gets on here. Right about now, it's time for you all to get your pens and paper ready, and it's time for you to get some money-making tips from our fantasy guru here, Matt Dolkin. Me, I'm not the guy you want to talk to about making money. I'm just in the way here. So if you want to make some money, yeah, this is the guy you want to talk to. So introducing to you, my main man, Matt Dolkin. How are you doing tonight, Matt? I'm doing great, fellas. Ready to, you know, write the ship this week. Hey, hey, I'm feeling good. I got my pen and paper ready, man. I, I did pretty good last week picking up Brandon Marshall. So I'm ready to hear what you got for me this week. I'm going to stand back here and let you take it away. The floor is yours. All right, let's get right into it. We got the revenge narrative on the tap. Pour yourself a cold one. We got LaShawn McCoy at Philadelphia. As you know, this is his ex-team, but he, it's not just his ex-team. They went out on bad terms. You know, the price there is pretty good for the uh, workload he's getting, 7900 on Sandals, 6100 on DraftKings. You got a good team total for Buffalo at 23.5. This is a pick game, so Vegas thinks it's going to be competitive. You know, you might see the uh, the totals rising up a little there above it. I take the over in this one. And uh, he's averaged 17.3 fantasy points over his last five games and 21.3 touches over his last three. Uh, you can bet he's going to come in angry. Uh, I love this guy this week. And another guy I love, you know, we're going to stay on that side of the ball in that game. We're going to go to Sammy Watkins, 7,200 on FanDuel, 6,100 on DraftKings. Uh, I had to mention this guy, you know, the price at 7,200, the discount you're getting from those other elite guys, and the way he's been producing, it's insane. You know, I saw uh, Roto Underworld tweeted the other day, Sammy Watkins has posted 3.84 fantasy points per target on 19 yards per target after Revis and Butler have guarded him. You know, you take those games out, and this guy is just murdering it. You know, his efficiency is through the roof. Tyrod Taylor is really coming around, and uh, I really love Sammy this week. And, uh, you know, you don't want to put these two guys in the same lineup, I don't think, but, you know, I'm definitely going to have some exposure to these guys this week. At least one of them will be in my casting lineup. Next, let's get right to this guy that you can't not mention. If you don't have him in your lineup this week, to quote, you know, Dom Bach from Roto Grinders, you're going to lose. Odell Beckham Jr. at 
Miami, 9,300 on FanDuel, 9,100 on DraftKings. You know, it's got the same uh, team total as the other game I was just talking about, 47. We got the Monday Night Hammer in another Pick'em game. Uh, this one's going to be good. I think it's going to be a shootout. Uh, I'm going to be writing this game up as my shootout of the week out on thirddown.com on Friday. And, you know, ODB is on fire. Just look at his hair. Uh, <laughs> he's a lock in my lineups almost every week at this point. Uh, you know, I honestly, every single lineup, I just, the first thing I do is I put Odell Beckham in. And then I work from there. Because at this point, you know, he's on this insane, insane stretch run that he was on last year. And, uh, you know, just, just put him in there and move on. Miami allows the seventh most fantasy points to wide receivers. And they've just been falling apart lately. And uh, I love the pairing with the Eli Manning, but I'm not going to elaborate on Eli too much. But he's a great play, and he's going to be uh, bolstered. Uh, you know, his fantasy value is going to be bolstered as long as uh, OBJ is playing at this level. So we're going to get to the guy that, you know, my buddy over here doesn't like. Uh, Sean's Roan, running game of the San Francisco 49ers at Cleveland, 6,500 on FanDuel, 4,800 on DraftKings. This guy is playing almost all the snaps. We finally saw him come through with a touchdown last week, and I think people are, you know, still going to be scared to put him in their lineups just of, you know, the offense he's in. But this workload, it's undeniable. You know, they're going to be playing from behind most likely, even though it's against Cleveland. And this guy just feasts on those receptions. This guy's getting, you know, five to eight catches a game. So you just need to slot him in there in your cash games on, you know, those PPR sites like DraftKings and 4,800. That's a free spot for me in this matchup. Uh, Gabbert's been doing better than expected. You know, he had that nice run last week, and uh, Torrey Smith got away on the game winner. So, you know, he's moving the offense a little better, and I think, you know, that's going to generate a couple of uh, goal line opportunities for Sean Jerome. So, you know, I'm really high on him this week. I am going to have a large percentage of that guy. Now I want to get to my quarterback tournament play of the week. This is the Indiana Jones play. You know, you're going to need to uh, get the whip, you know, go in the Temple of Doom. You're going to have to be brave with this one. Uh, it's super contrarian. Jameis Winston versus New Orleans. This game has a beautiful over-under. 50.5 total. That's incredible. That's going to be a shootout. We already know how bad the New Orleans defenses and the, the thing I love about this play is I think he's going to be insanely low owned because Drew Brees is 7,900 you know a lot of people are going to see the team total they're going to want to target this game they're going to say oh I only save $100 dropping down to Jameis Winston from Drew Brees oh no way I'm not doing that so you know you got to find things that your mind tells you not to do to be contrarian to get those low ownership percentages to differentiate yourself and get a step ahead of the field and I think this is a great situation for it because, you know, Winston's been going off lately. Uh, the Saints allow the most fantasy points to quarterbacks and the second most passing yards. And, you know, Winston has been getting knocked for his, uh, you know, interceptions and uh, weak play this year. But actually, you know, the interceptions don't bother us too much for fantasy as long as he keeps taking those shots. Uh, he's managing a robust average fantasy output of 21.5 uh, fantasy points on the season. So th- this guy's producing. He's going to be low owned, and I love him in tournaments. Again, don't touch him in the cash games, but in the tournaments, fire this guy up. Okay, I got a question for you, Matt. The 49ers and the Browns. You think Johnny Manziel can have any success against you guys' defense? It does seem to be getting a bit 
bit better. But I was just I was just concerned if you think Manziel would be a guy worth taking a look at along with Gary Barnage in this game. You know, I, I can't look at Gary Barnage because Manziel only, you know, uh, he, he only averages six targets for Gary Barnage, you know, when uh, Manziel plays compared to, uh, I believe it's nine and a half when Josh McCown plays. So I'm off Barnage this week. But, yes, uh, I'm, I'm not really targeting the quarterbacks in this game. Pretty much the only guy that I really am going for is Sean Drone. I don't think it's going to be a high enough scoring game for uh, Manziel to have enough success to, you know, get get him in your lineup, even though he does save you a lot of money. I just feel like there's other guys in that price range I'd probably go with. But, yeah, you, you never know. The Niner defense has been picking it up, so maybe the Niner defense would be a good tournament play because you know that guy will turn the ball over and possibly throw a couple picks. Yeah, he's going to run around a bit, get you a few sacks there. You got any questions for Matt um, Dusty? Sure, I want to ask him if there's anyone on New England Patriots that's worth playing this week. Yes, there is a guy, and he's the same guy, you know, that we've been targeting the last couple weeks. Kenny Amendola, 7,000 on FanDuel, 5,200 on DraftKings. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're just looking at the number, you know, it says fantasy points against on the app. I, I believe it says 24th or something. They're going to see the red number or the red name, and they're going to say, oh, that, that's a bad matchup. I don't want to do that, but, you know, Houston can get beat in the inside, and that's where Daniel Amendola is operating in the slot. Uh, he's just not priced into his role. Uh, in the last three, he's had 10, 9, and 7 catches on 11, 12, and 13 targets. And with the way LaFell has just been playing horrible, just drop city. I mean, this guy can't corral anything. Uh, deep ball to Brandon LaFell is just a joke right now. It's just it's a bad idea. So I think there's going to be even more work for him this week. Uh, at 5,200 on DraftKings with the PPR, he's just a, he's a lock for every lineup uh, over there. And I'm going to be playing heavy on DraftKings this week. It's the last week to win a ticket to a live final, so I'm going to be going for that FFWC. So wish me luck. All right. Get that, hey, good luck, Matt. Get that money there, man. You got anything? Else you want to ask Josh or you get it? Uh, do I want to ask Matt? Sure. Uh, well, I guess I want to ask about James White to stick to the New England theme. Do you think after last week's performance, if he's a guy that we'll see a lot of this week, or should we not trust Belichick's game plan? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with the latter. Uh, I've been burned so many times by Bill Belichick and PFS and regular fantasy football. Like I can't even count. Uh, you know, we finally had some secure role this year when we had Deion Lewis, and that was the most amazing thing ever. It was just like, wow, this horrible situation that happens every single year I get suckered into after a big Patriot running back game is gone. You know, we got Deion Lewis, but now he's gone. We don't know who's going to get the work. I, I, I just I just can't do it. I just don't want to lose money. <laughs> yep. <laughs> don't blame me there, Matt. Well, I'd like to say thank you tonight for another great um, segment, Matt, and go ahead and make that money in that um, fantasy football tournament, but If you win something, don't forget about your boys over here on the West Coast Recess. So good luck, and tell the people where they can find your work. Check out my contest-winning plays, DraftKing Edition, on xnsports.com. Check out my website, thirddown.com. That's 3rdlwn.com. I got the rankings, a couple articles a week coming out there, and the podcast. So uh, thank you, fellas. I wish you the best of luck. 
Uh, go take some shots at that tournament. See if you get lucky, get in there. All right. All right. Okay. I'm going to go take a shot at it. I appreciate it. Thank you. And you go win it, too. <laughs> I hope so. Good luck. Have a good one, fellas. Uh, you too, Matt. Thank you. All right. Another great segment from Matt Dorkin here. And as we were saying, we didn't talk much about Kansas City, Oakland, because I wanted to, I wanted to hold off on that one and save that for a guy who's, uh, who actually originally was the um, host of this program, and he comes on from time to time to say hello and tell me how wonderful of a job I'm doing. <laughs> He's my good buddy. I've known him quite a while. And my former co-host here on the NGSC West Recess, my main man, D. Will. How you doing tonight, D. Will? On, on the contrary, you're doing a terrible job tonight. Absolutely <laughs> terrible job tonight because you're supposed to get me on the line so I can talk fantasy football with, uh, with the man, Matt. You know, I'm a fantasy football guru myself, hosting the fantasy football addict support group. You know, but it's all good, man. You know, I thought you were not. <laughs> I thought I thought you better than that, man. You're supposed to you're supposed to blend the two, you're supposed to blend the two together, man. When you got two great minds like this, you're supposed to have them uh, speak to each other, man. And just enhance enhance the fantasiness of the show. But it's all good, man. <laughs> well, I guess I am the greatest fantasy football mind. Not for real. My team is terrible this year, but yeah. how you been, D. Will? <laughs> oh man, I'm good, man. I'm definitely good. Um, you know, I seen seen a couple good things happen last week. Um, fantasy football wise and Raider wise, man. I mean, my team's absolutely killed it last week. So I'm feeling good heading to the playoffs, man. Um, well, I didn't see anything good happen in the fourth quarter of that Raider game. So I'll let you go tell us what, what good things you saw on that one. Then I'll go ahead and do my little rant. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'll say Derek Carr. Derek Carr. He he's sort of he's sort of pulling it back together a little bit. He he's turned into a gunslinger. Um, I like that gunslinger mentality. It's not always successful, but still, we noticed over the past couple of games before this one that he's been sort of afraid to pull the trigger a little bit. But now, um, to his to his detriment, he pulled the trigger a lot last game and he had three interceptions. But I just like the gunslinger mentality. I didn't expect to win against the Kansas City Chiefs. There was a lot of um, there was a lot of hope. There's a lot of hope in the silver and black. But Kansas City has been playing phenomenal football over the past few weeks. So I mean, they played a solid three quarters. They're a young team, and you know it's going to point it's going to point to next season definitely. But I'm pretty proud of the way that they're playing. Um, the defense, of course, um, we're going to have to do something about that. But we can't we can't really expect much more from this young group. Well, the defense actually played about as well as they played in the last few weeks. We still do have that issue with tight ends dominating us. But I mean, Charles Woodson, he was probably really the only bright spot in this football game. I mean, the Angels when recovering two fumbles, pretty much keeping us in the football game. And Derek Carr, man, I don't know what goes on inside his head from time to time, but it seems like after he overthrew that pass to Michael Crabtree, that probably would have made the score 27 to 14. He just completely went in the tank on the first interception to the defensive lineman. Just fall down and take the sack. I mean, we'll take our chances with Jano kicking the field goal there. I mean, you're in control of the game. The defense is playing pretty well at that point. You cannot have turnovers like that. They're just killer. Then you turn around and have another one, and you compound it. The last one really wasn't his fault. I mean, it bounced off Cooper's hands. Top on, Brad's got it. But come on, man. The team, you're still a young football team. You're learning. You're getting better. But you cannot have ridiculous just lapses of judgment like that. It's perfectly okay to take a sack sometimes in situations such as that. And I'm pretty proud with the game that Latavius Murray played also. I mean, he got him started 
they're only getting 88 yards rushing. So, I mean, that was good to see. And hopefully next week we get Rodney Hudson back in the offense and just continue to get better and better. So, the Raiders, they played well in spurts offensively, but in that fourth quarter, that just showed why they're afraid to make any significant process. Cause I mean, progress, rather. Because there's no way Kansas City should force three turnovers in the fourth quarter of a football game that you have the lead in. Kansas City 34, Oakland 20. Your, your thoughts, Josh? You'll see. Oh, I don't have anything to add about this game. And y'all both just covered it. So what I'll do is ask D. Will his opinion on the Raiders signing Crabtree for four years, $32 million today. Um, you know, I like it. I like it. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to talk about that. I like Crabtree. He's been playing excellent this year. And we need that continuity moving forward. We need that. We need to do a on the outside. Crabtree, I thought the Raiders should have drafted Crabtree in the first place, but they made that mistake and drafted DHB. He had a couple up and down seasons in San Francisco, but he's an excellent route runner. He has excellent hands. He is who we always thought he would be, and it's only going to get better once the chemistry with Derek Carr improves and Amari Cooper. Um, he sort of hit a wall a little bit this season, a rookie wall. Um, he's he's not on the pace that he was early in the season, but he's going to grow. I think the future is great with these two guys. It's an excellent decision by the front office to extend this guy and not let him hit the offseason with other teams talking the money. You know, $32 million, four years, I, I think I think he's worth it. He's a season player. And so long he stays healthy, um, and Derek Carr needs that. He needs that. So I, I think next season the offense is going to be phenomenal once the car matures a little bit more. We just have to work on the defensive side, man, but it's an excellent signing. Yeah, I was saying. I agree. Oh, go ahead, yeah. I was saying to Shaq earlier that uh, he had a rough year leaving San Fran and came out, and, and he had a lot to prove this year, and I think he, he's done it. I mean, he's exceeded expectations, I think, for the most part, and so it's uh, it's good on him. He he, he definitely let himself down this uh, his last year in San Francisco. He probably could have got a lot more money this offseason if he had performed better. Yeah, there was, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of turmoil on that San Francisco team, and, you know, I think a lot of those things were, you know, out of his hands. Um, he was in and out of the lineup, banged up a little bit, and he needed that change. He, he definitely needed that change. Um, so, you know, the future's bright. The future's bright, man. Crabtree, once he gets it going, he's a he's a top 20 wide receiver in the NFL right now, I believe. Good points there, D-Will. Um, have you, like, seen any mock drafts yet? Like, anybody you think the Raiders could be looking at, um, like, defensively? I haven't, <laughs> I haven't even looked that far ahead yet, man. I'm just, I'm just trying to – my mind right now is trying to get some fantasy football wins, man. That's that's all I really care about. And, you know, the, the Los Angeles Lakers tanking and all these different things <laughs> that's circling my mind. Uh, once, this, uh, once this college football season is, is officially over, I'm actually going to um, – Check out the NFLPA, and I'll be covering the NFLPA for Pro Player Insiders again this year. And you know, check out some of the prospects firsthand, and be able to talk to him, talk to them, and um, see what's in the mind. Maybe I could uh, interview the future Raider or something. But uh, until then, man, you know, it's still a long time, man. We we have a long time before we really really start um, worrying about the draft players testing out. We have to see who's coming out the draft. Uh, we have to see how they do in the combines and whatnot. It's a long. We have a lot of off seasons to talk about the draft room. A lot. Yeah, you are right. We do have a long, long way to go. I think I think I just started thinking about it Sunday, D Will, when I was just sitting there watching Derek Carr piss our season away one interception at a time. But yeah. hey, at least we got the at least we got the week thirteen before that thought even crossed my mind. So we're making progress, I guess. Man, I, I thought you you should have learned 
years already, man. Like we we just can't we just can't get our hopes too high until it actually happens. And to to keep it one hundred to keep it one hundred wrong, man. We're still in the playoff race in in the AFC. Anything could happen. All we have to do is go on a run. Uh, nine wins. It's very very likely that nine wins can uh, get you a spot in the playoffs. So I mean, if we run the table for the rest of the season, it could happen, man. So you know, stay, keep a positive outlook, man. Just enjoy this thing. Enjoy this thing one week at a time. Yeah, well, I'm gonna keep. I'm keeping the faith. You know me. I'm gonna be ready. I'm gonna be right there Sunday. You know. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be right there rooting for the team. It's just the last four games when you look at the schedule. Oh, go ahead. Did that sound believable? Did it sound like I believe that? Like I keep it real, man. We're only one. We're really um like two games off the playoffs, and anything could happen. The Jets could fall off easily, and then that last spot is up for grabs. I think the Steelers. I think the Steelers are in. I think the Chiefs are in, but that last spot is up for grabs. The problem is the Steelers, they have that tiebreaker. Sure, the Ravens can win three in a row, and hopefully Kansas City like, hits a bit of a snag somewhere, or even the Jets hit a bit of a snag, because the Raiders do have a tiebreaker over the Jets. That's, then that would make that Week 17 game between the Raiders and the Chiefs actually mean something. But all the last four games are no picnic either. you got a trip to Denver this week. You get Green Bay at home. San Diego at Christmas Eve, that's probably the game that the only game out of these four that many people would predict the Raiders to win. But since we are highly ranked members of Raider Nation, we 9-7, it can happen, but let's go get Denver first. Denver cannot move the ball, man. Denver cannot move the ball. You know, I like I like the running game. I like the winterization of their offense. I like what they're doing with Osweiler. Uh, he's steady, but they really, really can't move the ball and put up points. They're not to be feared at all. We just have to play a steady, steady game, a steady game. And we saw how we did it the first time. We should learn from the mistakes the first time. We should go to Denver and get a win, honestly. Yeah, just do what you did the first time. I mean, and these wide receivers, they are a lot more experienced than the first time around. So they'll have some things from Mr. Tlaib and Mr. Harris, I believe. So, hey, Crabtree's got his money. He'll be motivated. Hey, let's go play some good football. Chuck Wood, he got his interceptions against... The pass rush isn't the same right now either. They're not They're not getting that much pressure on the quarterback as they were at the beginning of the season. So that's that's hopeful. Yeah, the good thing, the important thing is we have to have Rodney Hudson in the fold, I think, for this matchup Sunday also, just to make sure that they don't get the car. Hey, uh, uh, something I want to bring up, man. Last time I was on the show, um, there, there are two things that, you know, that, that we got pretty intense about. That was, you know... Didn't somebody think the Cardinals were going to go into Seattle and wax them? That was me. That was me that said that. Remember, I think Josh agreed too. Two of us. Two of us. Yeah, Josh <laughs> agreed too. So um, I, I try to tell you wrong, man. Like when I call these things, man, just go ahead and believe it. And the Panthers are still undefeated. <laughs> the Panthers are still undefeated. Yeah, I mean, you, you're on fire with that one, D-Will. I do believe, I'm starting to believe it now. Carolina, I mean, they've got the schedule to get to 16-0 and now. But I told you New England wasn't doing it. But Carolina, I mean, playing in the South, I think that game at New Orleans, that's probably the toughest challenge that they're going to get the rest of the way. So they should have no problem hitting 16-0 and if they play that game every week. And good call on, on Arizona whipping Seattle, Josh and D-Will. But the problem is <laughs> that that beatdown that Arizona put on Seattle seems to have woken the Seahawks up. So pretty much Arizona seems to have dug their own grave there, because I do see Seattle returning the favorite week 17 in the desert, and probably doing it again in the second week of January when they get together on a playoff showdown. Talking about, talking about 
Week 17, man, that's a that's a game that Carolina has to worry about because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are hot right now. They are hot. Like um like like your man was saying earlier, Jameis Winston has been playing some ball, and Lovey Smith got that defense playing well, man. And, you know, uh, early in the season, people were knocking Jameis for turning the ball over and whatnot, but he has he's been taking care of the ball. He's getting the ball to his big shot wide receivers. He got uh, Rastafari and Jenkins back here right now. That that's gonna be. It wouldn't surprise me if they flex that game and make that a Sunday night game right about now. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's gonna be. I mean, I, you know, I apologize. This is the NGSC. This is NGSC West, man. But you know, I'm just so excited about watching Cam Newton play some ball, man. Because you know, they, he they're playing some smash mouth football. That's the way football is supposed to be played. Uh, I just wish this Raider team could adopt some of that mentality that they have in Carolina, man. Just no matter what happens, just hit, 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 and that's what football is all about. Just hit, keep hitting. <laughs> Offense, defense, you got to pound teams. And that's how that's how you win games in this league, man. So uh, I know Derek Carr has have been you know gunslinging, but you got to deal with Tavis Murray, twenty to twenty five carries every game, and keep on bringing the run game. And that's the only way Raider football is going to enhance. I think that the Raiders will begin to do that again. I mean, just the offensive line has been pretty much patchwork, and I think that's going to have to happen this week. But the Raiders, they haven't really strayed away from the run game. They've just been getting Jameez Olawale more um, incorporated into it. So I think that's where half of Latavius' carries have gone. So they're still trying to pound that rock, and against Denver, you're going to have to because, I mean, you don't want to become one-dimensional against a defense like that. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. So I guess it's time for us to go ahead and start our predictions here. I guess we'll get it started here tomorrow night in the desert. We got Minnesota and Arizona here. The Cardinals, they're 10-2. and two. They're still trying to hold off Seattle and clinch at least the two seed in the West. Minnesota, they're 8-4, and four, but they're not playing very well against tough opponents, and I think this continues again um, tomorrow night. David Johnson, he's, he's going to have himself a big game. Carson Palmer's going to do his thing. John Brown should get in the end zone. I'm calling Arizona 27, Minnesota 17. Your prediction, D-Will. Um, the Cardinals, man, they're just playing phenomenal football right now. They're, they're like you know, they're likely the team to. I, I don't think. I don't think Carolina has what it takes to beat Arizona in the playoffs. I, I don't think they have what it takes to beat Arizona in the playoffs. Um, Arizona, you know, it's good to see Carolina going to beat it, but Arizona is a team. And against Minnesota, um, Adrian Peterson is going to. I don't think he's going to have a very good game. They're a one-dimensional team. They're either Peterson or us. That that no fly zone is going to shut down that minuscule passing game of the Vikings. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be ugly. It's gonna be a blowout. If you call twenty seven, it, it might be forty. It might be forty to ten. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> and got the beat down from D. Will. What you got over there, Josh? Yeah, I have to agree with both of you. Uh, Vikings didn't impress me last week at all. They didn't perform well. And Arizona is moving the ball through the air like like one of the best teams in the league. So. And they got a run game, too. Now, they have a lot of injuries, but that David Johnson kid is not a bad running back himself. So, yeah, I like Arizona to win this pretty easily, something like 31 to 14. Okay. We're all unanimous here, Arizona. Okay, next up here is a game that we pretty much have to talk about just because this is the NGSC West Recess, and it's a West Coast-related game. Uh, San Francisco versus Cleveland. I guess the really exciting news from this game is, is that Johnny Manziel gets his job back for the 86th time this season. 
season. And the 49ers, they're still playing well, but they really don't have much of a running game to speak of. Sean Drawn, he'll draw the start again this week. Lane Gabbert, I mean, he's playing like he wants to be in the 49ers' plans going forward in 2016. I mean, he's gotten them a few wins since he's taken over as starter, and he seems to have developed a rapport with Aquan Bolden and Torrey Smith. I mean, in a game, however, with two Cupid football teams playing, I'm going to go ahead and take the home team in this one. I think Manziel, he'll have the crowd behind him, and he'll find um, Gary Barnett's late for a touchdown. Brown 16, 49ers 13. He will. I think San Francisco wins this game. Uh, they've been playing. They've been playing solid defense um, lately. So that game, that game against Seattle, uh, we kind of got, we kind of have to throw that out the books. They defeated a good Atlanta Falcons team, and they went into Chicago last week and waxed them. I think uh, they will do the same thing against Cleveland. Cleveland's really trash on offense. Um, <laughs> you know, they're they're a bad football team, and their defense is terrible. Um, I think Sean Jones have going to have a big game. I predict. I'm predicting Sean Jones have over 150 yards total. Um, he is pretty much their only offense right now. They they pass him the ball a lot. They hand the ball off to him a lot. Their tight end Matt McDonald is out right now. Torrey Smith, uh, he's hitting miss. Just I don't think Cleveland could score the ball. Pretty much that's what it boils down to. Um, San Francisco about over a touchdown. Okay, you got the 49ers there. What you got for this one, Josh? Yeah, I'm going to take the 49ers too. I think they're the better team overall. I think they have the well. They're just overall more talented team. I think that Manziel, this quarterback situation in Cleveland is a is a disaster, and and their coach is bipolar. Something's wrong with that guy. But <laughs> they definitely they definitely can't make up their mind who they want to quarterback that team. And and I think that train wreck is going to show its ugly head in this game. And the 49ers probably win this one pretty easily, if you ask me. 28 to 14. Okay, we got two 49ers, one Browns here. All right, next up here we got ourselves an AFC West show down here between two teams on opposite, completely opposite ends of the spectrum. The San Diego Chargers at 3-9, and nine, they've just pretty much folded up the tip for the season. I mean, they can't move the ball anymore. All the wide receivers are hurt. Me and Josh will be lining up at wide receiver. We'll put D. Will in the slot and see how many um, completions Phillip Rivers can get. But other than that, the Chiefs, man, they're, they're doing it up. The defense is playing very well behind young Marcus Peters, Tom Bahali. Justin Houston might be back this week, and that could really help their defense. I don't really see San Diego mounting much of a threat in this game. Outside of Melvin Gordon and Antonio Gates, they don't have much of anything. The Chiefs continue their march towards the playoffs with a 30-7 to victory. D. Will. We're going to see a lot of strengths of wearing Sarkandrick West in this game. Um, it's like that Phillip Rivers has absolutely nobody to throw to. I kind of feel I kind of feel bad for him a little bit, man, because his receivers are just falling off the face of this earth right now. And it wouldn't surprise me if another one of their hard receivers fall off the face of this earth this week is Herndon. Herndon going to get hurt this game, too. So, I mean, there's not much to talk about here. Uh, this game will be a blowout. Uh, Chiefs will win this by two scores. All right, Josh? Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's not much to talk about here. Uh, Chiefs will win easily. It'll be 31 to... I like the number 31, so we'll go with that. Um, Chargers 10. Okay. We've all got Kansas City blowouts here, okay? Moving on here to another game that could be a potential blowout here. The Seattle Seahawks, they've pretty much won three in a row, and all three very convincingly since that loss to Arizona that D. Will and Josh will not let me hear the end of. <laughs> Russell Wilson, however, <laughs> he seems to have found his game, throwing touchdown, throwing five touchdown passes against Pittsburgh for three last week, and Young Ball when they seem to have become re- 
rejuvenated also. Although it kind of sucks that they don't have Jimmy Graham anymore for the stretch run. Thomas Rawls has become the new beast mode, meaning that we may be seeing the end of the old beast mode. And Baltimore, they're kind of like San Diego. They're just ready for the draft. They're floating up the tent. You've got Matt Shaw playing quarterback. You don't really have much going on. You don't have much of a shot in this one. Seattle, 34. Baltimore, 14. D. Will. Um, you know what, man? Uh, Seattle's going to win this game, but I don't think it's really going to be a blowout. Baltimore, that, this Baltimore team has, has a lot of pride. Um, they do some things. They do some things on offense. One thing that we're probably going to guarantee to see in this game is Matt Shaw is going to throw another pick six. He'll probably throw two pick sixes, and Seattle will win the game defensively. Um, there's the offense, you know, it's really much a ground and pound defense, a ground and pound game right now. All the Russell Wilson has been doing some things lately. Um, Baltimore does have a shady secondary, but I'm just not a believer that Doug Baldwin could keep this thing up that he's been doing over the past few weeks. I don't think I don't see Doug Baldwin um, going off again like this. And on the other side, you just have uh, Jermaine Curse. Tyler Lockett will probably be your most productive wide receiver this game. Catch a couple short passes and run it in. But I have uh, Seattle winning this game um, by under a touchdown. Ooh, a close one there. What you got, Josh? Uh, see, I was going to kind of go the same route as D. Will. It's going to be closer. I, I don't think Seattle blows them out by any stretch of imagination, but I do think we're going to see a lot of Wilson, a lot of Rawls, and Seattle will pull away at the end, probably winning by a touchdown, something like 21-14. Okay, we've all got Seattle here. And our last prediction for the week, we got the big one here. The Oakland Raiders are 5-7. and seven. Still faintly alive in the playoff mode by some grace or miracle of God, but they're going into a Denver Bronco team who they're still trying to figure out things with um, young Brock Osweiler. He hasn't lost a start yet, and they've still got that defense. In this game, I think what the Raiders need to do is go ahead and try to attack him early with Ola Wale and Latavius Murray. Open up those passing lanes for Amari Cooper if he can ever get the bricks out of his hand. And Michael Cooper, our new $32 million, I mean, and Michael Crabtree, our new $32 million man. This may be a game where you see a lot of Marcel Reese, and if they can get that done, and that defense, Khalil Mack, he seems to be coming alive, three sacks in his last two games. And with Charles Woodson being the um, endless, the ageless wonder that he is. The Raiders, I do believe that in the fourth quarter, they'll have themselves a shot at this one. The C.J. Anderson, he's a bit injured, and D.J. Hayden actually did a pretty good job last time around on Demarius Thomas. We're going to probably need a little bit more of that, and now that David, David Amerson has pretty much acclimated himself to the defense, hey, things should be a lot easier for this one. I'm not going to make a prediction here, but I will say it will be a one-possession game in the fourth quarter, and the Raiders will have a chance to win it. What you say, D. Will? Uh, if the Raiders cannot, if the Raiders cannot keep the Broncos under 20 points, um, it won't be it won't be a win at all. Um, I'm just gonna. I spoke about this game a little bit earlier. I'm just gonna say the Broncos win this game, like 23 to 17. All right, Josh. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I was gonna pick the Raiders because I think there might be an upset in this game. But I, well, I'm just going with the Broncos, 21 to 20. And we did miss a game, by the way. We did miss a game. Yes, we did. That would be that Detroit-St. Louis game. Yes, sir. Uh, oh, another game that we have to go through just because the NGSC says we have to. I mean, it's the West Coast <laughs> game, Detroit-St. Louis. Uh, I may sweep through this one. Uh, I'm going to say Detroit-19, St. Louis-10. I mean, they've got a little bit more offense than the Rams, and that's going to be the difference. I mean, Case King, I mean, Nick Foles gets benched for me um, in the second half of that game. Detroit, they're pissed off that they got ripped off last week in Green, against Green Bay. They'll take the win. What you say about that one, D-Will? <laughs> St. Louis has been falling off. Uh, Todd Gurley uh, definitely has hit the has definitely hit the rookie wall, and this offense is just terrible, man. Like without a few gimmick plays 
from Tavon Austin. This offense isn't doing anything at all. And Detroit has been playing some some pretty good football, you know, ever since they fired their offensive coordinator. And Jim Bob Cooler has been calling it, well, Bob Jim, whatever his name is, Les Cooler. <laughs> He's been calling it a good game uh, for this team. And this team, this offense is right behind him. And be on the lookout for Amir Abdullah, man. Um, He's starting he started to he started to make himself known as a solid running back in this league, and his carries have increased week after week after week. Uh, Detroit's going to blow the team out. Pissed off that you know Aaron Rodgers threw a hail mary on him last week. Um, they're they're going to whack St. Louis. It's going to be like 31, 31 to thirteen on the road. What'd you got there, Josh? Yeah, definitely going to be the Lions win this one. I think they actually the Lions offensively have been playing good, getting Theo Riddick involved, and Abdul's running good, and Stafford's not making many mistakes right now, and Tate's been really hot lately too. So, and the Rams absolutely are terrible on offense. I mean, it's just embarrassing watching them play. So. I don't think they'll score maybe in this game, but it'll be off a gimmick play like D. Will just mentioned, probably with Tavon Austin, but it's going to be an easy Lions win, I'd say. 38-14. to Okay, we've all got Detroit winning this one pretty easily here. Before I let you go, D. Will, I know you're a Dodger fan also, just like myself. How do you feel about this whole Aroldis Chapman situation as far as them holding up the trade and his domestic violence and whatnot? It's It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do because uh, a lot of sports teams have been catching um, a lot of bad PR because they think um, the inmates are running asylum. They're not holding athletes aren't being held accountable to their off-field behavior. And you know, if, if the reports are true for based on what this young man did, um, you know, with the domestic violence, strangling his girlfriend, he has guns in the house, and all those type of things, we do not need that in Los Angeles. Um, we're we're really starting to build our team up. We're spending a lot of money. Uh, ticket prices have been raised, and we do not we do not need that on our team if all those things are true. Um, I believe in this front office. This front office has made a lot of risk moves, but they worked out. I just hope they don't trade uh, the young prospects like Seager and, and young Jack Peterson. So I I think I think it's a smart move to like don't even wait. Don't even wait for this trade at all. Just like go ahead and cancel it. Although um Chapman is, is an excellent pitcher. Character character comes first. And if you're gonna sign a guy to a long contract, it has to be about the character. And I don't I don't feel that we should sign them. We should look elsewhere. I'm gonna to have to agree with you there, D. Will. Um, the last few years, a lot of um, instances in the world of sports does start to make you think, hey, if you're beating up women and all that, it may be time for you to look elsewhere. And here in L.A., you're right, we don't need that. I mean, we got uh, Magic Johnson up here trying to build a consistent winner. Sure, we lost Gwanky and things of that nature. But we did get a good pitcher in Iwakuma from Seattle. So I think he'll come in, he'll do the job. You still got Kenley Jansen as your closer. So there's really no need to jeopardize your integrity to um, sign a guy such as Aronis Chapman to come in here, especially with a situation such as this hanging over his head. It could, the specter of it could just pretty much jeopardize the chemistry of the team anyway. So just let it, leave it alone, let Kelly Jackson be the closer, and we go forward with that. You got any thought, You got any final thoughts on this, Josh? I think the Dodgers need to avoid uh, bringing a toxic situation to, into spring training. I really I really think that there's a lot of lessons out there in sports right now, why it's not a good idea to sign people like this, or even, they need to wait and see. They need to be fair about it, though, I think. They do need to see what the actual details are before they make any rash decisions, but it doesn't sound good from what I'm reading, so...
that's that's my thought. Yeah, it does sound like a really, really weird situation there. And that's pretty much our show tonight. I'd like to say thank you to D. Will for coming on tonight and get some excitement to us tonight. So thank you, D. Will. Great job. Okay, thanks for having me on, man. Just follow me on Twitter at Fitzgame, S-P-I-T-S-G-A-M-E. And uh, look out for the weekend edition for the Fantasy Football Addict Support Group. It's a special weekend show this week. Um, we're going to go ahead and break down all the fantasy football implications, um, games with fantasy football implications uh, in this week's slate. Um, obviously, without this Thursday night game. Um, so just keep, keep your keep your eye out on the NGSC Sports feed for that. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do that, man. You and Rory got to get me in sometime. I really enjoy coming on there with you guys. You do a great job. <laughs> no doubt, man. All right, there. And Tuesday, and Tuesday nights here, I mean, I know that we're here on the West, we're on the West Coast, but my main man, Josh Matson and Shaq Krosky, I mean, they do their Patriot thing over there on Tuesday nights now with the Flying Elks faithful. Those guys, they do the New England Patriots more justice than I could, would, or would even want to. But it's a great show. You learn a lot. And I listened to them earlier. Hey, I mean, they're pissed off at the Patriots right now for dropping two straight. But they're very smart guys. They're good friends of mine. It's a great show. And they also have themselves a new co-host along with them, John Doucette from the NGSC. So there's a lot of knowledge there. You guys check them out Tuesday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific over here on the NGSC. And Josh, Friday I night. You, man. I don't know you, Josh. What's that? I don't know you. I don't know that you did the flying uh, this. Yeah, that, me and Shaq and uh, John Doucette. Okay, okay, okay. And Friday <laughs> night here. You guys good over there? Yeah, we're good. I mean, <laughs> we're waiting on you for the carry on with your NGSC right. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mr. Matson. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yep. All right. And Friday nights here, if you can't get enough Raider talk here, you can find me and my main man, Jim Paskowitz, over there doing our Raider Nation thing with the Black Hole Brigade Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific real time here on the NGSC. We'll be breaking down what went wrong in the fourth quarter of that Kansas City-Oakland game and hopefully finding a way that the Raiders can get the job done against Denver. So be on the lookout for that. It should be a good show like we always have. It's going to be a Raiderific good time. And for me, for, for Josh Madsen and for D. Wheel, I'm Raider Rome, Jerome Butler, and this has been the NGSC West Coast Recess. We'll be right here next Wednesday night, 8 p.m., and hope to see you then. Good night. Go Raiders. Raider Rome, gone. Good night.